another, another rib cook-off or something like that this year. and That'd be fun. Amen? Yeah. All right. Open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 11. And uh, we will uh, kind of dive into this a little bit tonight. A little bit more on grace. Last week we kind of detoured a little bit about talking about the power of grace in our life. And Paul and uh, the dealing with the declaration that he made and how grace sustained him through everything. And uh, so tonight I just want to come back and tie in. We kind of started this back in June, but I want to kind of finish this lesson and just getting us to see something. And we've done several messages on this subject of grace, but trying to get us to see it from the perspective, the different perspective, that we are saved by grace through faith. Amen? And so God's grace works in our life, and we're saved by that grace. But then also... There's a second charge of grace that comes that we're empowered by grace. So grace saves us, but grace also empowers us for ministry. Okay, And so when we understand that, it changes. So sometimes we just get stuck just in in the beginning of grace, but there's so much more to grace than what we realize. And, And it's God's will that each of us learn how to flow in that power of God's grace. So there on your outline, Uh, We just have it that grace is more than what we think. And so grace is how God comes into time to work through our lives to save others. Man, if we ever get that, God comes into time. God is eternal. He's an eternal being. God doesn't live in time. The the only way He's in time, He he had to come as His Son into time, and and He comes when people give Him access. So He has access into time, and He has to come through man into time. He's eternal. So how do you compress eternity into time? It's an amazing thing when you think about it, that God gets eternity into time in us. We're the only thing in this sphere, in this parenthetical space of time, that eternity can dwell in. He said, you can't make a building big enough for me to get into, but a human heart is big enough for me to get into. I can come in my fullness into your spirit. That just blows my mind. I just can't even comprehend that. I just sit there, my my brain goes off, praise the Lord. And so grace is how he does it. He comes by his grace with his power into time to work through our lives to save us. And then, then that thought blows my mind, that God chooses to work through your life to reach us, that God who created everything, in, in a way, it's like he's made himself dependent upon us. He needs that. God says, I'm going to make myself need you. It, 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 everything that he needs that. And that's so cool. Ha- having even Tim c- come back from the mission field. And God said, I will, you'll go and I'll go through you. I'm going to touch people in another nation through you. That is so cool. That is amazing. The team that went to Haiti, they go, wow, we're there. We're ministering and stuff. And they felt God working through them, touching life. Isn't that awesome? God's grace doing that through our life. Look at your outline there, and uh, in, we just have this verse, but I want to read it all beginning in verse 25. And it says, At the time that Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them unto babes. Now, how many know he wasn't talking about little baby children? But he's talking to people that, that, that are innocent in our understanding. You become as a child and become innocent. Sometimes we've got to get past our grown-up attitude. 
Amen. We just get, we got a lot of thinking in there that messes up. Verse 26. Even so, Father, it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and he to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So then Jesus makes this invitation, and, and this isn't in any of the other Gospels. This is explicitly just found in the, in the Gospel of Mark. And look at what he says. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Anybody know anybody laboring today, heavy laden? Listen to the invitation, Jesus. Come to me and look at it. And I will give you what? Rest. Wow. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for what? Your souls. Wow. So, so twice he's promising rest, but it's interesting. He's find, you'll find rest for your soul. Now, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And when you lose your peace and your rest in your soul, that, that, can, that can be troubling. And then he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So it's interesting Look at the bottom of your cover of your outline there. When we lose our peace and our rest in our souls, our minds are troubled, our emotions are frayed, and our wills are in conflict with His Word. Find people when, when people get stressed under life, that you, you see they're, they're, they're just their emotions are frayed, they're touchy, they're snappy, not in a nice way. <laughs> They're snappy in a sharp way and responsive way and everything. And then what happens is, is that our minds are troubled. We just have no peace. And so we're just, we have no rest in our mind. We can't, we're worried. That's where worry, that's where anxiety, all that comes from. So our mind, there's no rest in my mind. There's no rest in my emotions. And then in my will, I'm just conflicted in my will, in my choices. I have no peace. I'm making choices, out of my, but there's no peace in the choices that I'm making. And so then Jesus says, hey, is that where you are? Come here. And you'll find rest for your souls. He said, what, it, what I put upon you, and some people, I have people tell me all the time, oh, serving Christ is just so hard. It is if you don't do it through grace. If you don't do it through grace, this walk with God is hard. But if you do it through the power of His grace, so He says, I'm going to put a yoke and a burden upon you. I have a yoke. We're going to exchange burdens. But my, I'm going to give it to you and empower you by grace to do it. Because if I'm not under grace, I'm under my own strength. And whenever this happens in our life, look at the rest of it. Then we have moved. Whenever this happens, we've moved out of grace and into our own strength. So we need to just kind of come and get a hold of ourselves. Say, no, I need to get back to that place of grace in my life where I'm walking with him. I'm not trying to do it. And it's not coming out of my, I don't have to figure this thing out. I just have to stay in that lane of grace that he's given to me. Listen to it out of the Amplify Bible. This is so powerful. This is just, we don't talk about this enough in church, but this is such a powerful verse. Look at what he said. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I love that. I will cause you to rest. 
And there are so many, there are people right now that are losing their rest over what's happening on our streets. It's tra- I'm driving home from church on Sunday and another police shooting. And I'm going, what in the world is going on? And I mean, we're, we're coming back from youth camp and they got the guy driving through the crowd and killing all the people over in France. And then you got the coup in Turkey. You got all this crazy stuff going on. You guys left just in time. Hey, were, you guys, were, you, were you guys in Turkey? Is that where you were? That's right. That's what I thought so. And so, uh, uh, so but, but all this crazy stuff going on. Have you heard from anybody over there? Are you, everybody? Yeah. Right. And and in a predominantly Muslim culture, that, that that's not a religion that has an offer like this. So if you read the Quran, you're not going to find an offer of an invitation to come and find peace. Yeah. It's really a warring religion. Yeah. And that, and so, and, 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 and a concept, and that. So, here are people. So, where do they find red? But, go ahead. I was just saying, most, most Turks, most Muslims, mm-hmm. Muslims really are seeking peace. Yeah. You know, like, like the rest of the world, we want to be at peace with right. neighbors, with ourselves, you know, with God. Mm-hmm. But they, like you're saying, they don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Their religion doesn't provide that. Right. Peace. So, it puts a hope of peace right. because they're in turmoil, no peace around them, no peace within them. Mm-hmm. Right. Amen. Amen. And so what we do, and that's why the gospel is so powerful. When you go into places like that, you mean there's a, I can have peace, I can have rest. And so the gospel pierces that darkness. And, and multitudes are coming to the Lord in Muslim countries because they, they, they are searching for looking for an answer, and it's not there. And Jesus comes and brings that hope. So look at that. I will cause you to rest. I, I, look at the way the Amplified explains it. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. So your mind, in your mind, your will, and your emotions, I will ease and refresh. And so when we read these scriptures, I have to back them and say, wait a minute, how's my mind doing? Is my mind at ease? Is there a refreshing in my mind? Are, are my emotions at ease? Is there a re- do I have fresh in my, is there a refresh in my emotions? And in my choices, in my will, my conduct, is, is there a freshness in there? So look at, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, I am meek and humble, lowly in heart, and you will find rest. Look at how it's defined. Relief and ease and refreshment, recreation and blessed quiet. Amen. I've been, I've been with people where you go to get away for a day or go on vacation for a day, and they're just like, no fun to be around. I'm like, man, you need to learn how to rest. See, me, I'm a, pers- I, I, I'm a professional vacator. When I go on vacation, I vacate. People say, what are you thinking about? Absolutely nothing. I'm on vacation. I'm, I'm here to find rest. Amen. And you know what's amazing? You know what's so amazing? Anytime you get away and quiet yourself, it's amazing how you begin to hear that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. That God begins to speak. So, so while you're quiet and you've shut yourself down, you open up the book and you open up the Word of God. And then all of a sudden, something, a new thought, new clarity, new understanding, a new revelation, a new insight. God just revealed. And you weren't even working for it. You, you weren't studying to find it. You weren't grinding out your devotion. You're just sitting there just enjoying coffee by the campfire. Hallelujah. 
And then all of a sudden, the Lord just goes, oh, look at this. He goes, oh, this is cool. He goes, yes, I'll help you rest. Amen. Isn't it cool? Yes. So, so God, so, so it's rest and it's recreation. That's amazing that it's tied to recreation or blessed quiet. For your souls, for my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing, but comfortable and gracious. What a definition to define. People think of yokes and burdens. Oh, man, that sounds, that sounds, you know, just arduous and, and, and just like work. Amen. But it's equipped and it comes with grace. But it's comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. It's not, get that, it's wholesome, useful, not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. And my burden is light, easy to be borne. Wow. And I, I kind of think about that. Jesus is saying that. Now, as he's walking, as he's walk, and, and really what that defines is God's will for our life. So Jesus is here. He says, I've come to do the will of my Father. And so he's under the yoke and the burden of the Father. And everything he's going through, he's empowered by grace to do it. So when they were in the storm in the boat and Jesus was with them, where was he? He was resting in the back of the boat. Why? Because he's under the burden and the yoke of the Father. And in that, he knows he has peace in the midst of the storm in such a way that he can be at sleep in the storm. Because he knows that the yoke or the will of the Father is going to prevail over the storm. The storm is not greater than the will of God in his life. Do you understand that? And so we always talking about getting up rebuking that. But if you stop and look at Jesus being under that yoke, and so many times we're in the midst of storm, and then we go, I have people tell me, I have, I've just been in storm. I haven't been able to sleep lately. Okay, well then you during, you're taking the yoke upon yourself, and, and it's becoming your burden, and you're not under the power of His grace. Because His yoke comes with the power of grace to do it. Are you with me? And so he graces us. So while you're going through it and it's a trial and it's a struggle and, and there's things you have to deal with and there's adversity, you still have this rest. And I think that's what bothered the disciples a lot because Jesus just, you just couldn't get him flustered. He just always walked in peace and he always walked in this rest. And it's amazing that that's been offered to us to walk in. So awesome. Are you with me? So cool. So watch it. Colossians chapter 1 verse 22 says, But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy and faultless and blameless before him. So he's knowing, that's just so amazing, he knows that he's come in order to give his life and to bear our sin and he just graciously keeps heading towards that. He says his disciples, he knows he's about to be betrayed and the night of the Passover. And he says, I've longed to eat this meal with you. He knows he's hours away from his passion. And he says, I've longed to eat this with you. And he gives them some of the most comforting teaching out of their whole time together. Read John 13, 14, 15, and 16, and go, man, 
telling them about the coming of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. I'm going to prepare a place. And here he is pouring himself out to them, and he knows he's about to be betrayed. He's just hours away from the betrayal. He says, I'm going to be delivered in the hands of sinners, I'm going to be, and I'm going to be crucified. But then he always finished it with, you know what? I'm going to rise on the third day. So I know I have the victory. And if we have that and keep the promise on the inside of it, no matter what we're going through, grace always keeps us centered on the promise that we're walking this out in Christ. And with it is this power to get all the way through it and come out victorious on the other side. Amen? Hallelujah. So, and, and, and I go, and, and the reason I'm sharing this is that there's something that is to be found, that if you go back, if you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, and you read about people who stood in their faith under great persecution, and then the peace they had, even going to the stake, or, or, or giving, offering up their lives and being burned alive, and all these things for, for standing by faith in God, but yet there was such a grace upon their lives. And that's available for us to tap into. Amen. It's the stupidest story, but it just, God brings it up to my mind all the time. But it's like uh, uh, the, the old uh, Swedish lumberjack. And he had an old saw that he used to cut with that got really worn out. And he went in to get it sharpened or traded in for a new one. And the guy at the hardware store goes, man, th- that's good. But we, we have a brand new model, man. It'd make it so much easier. You can cut five times as much wood as you've been able to cut with this. And he goes, okay, get it. So he gets it and just takes it home. And then he comes back two days later. He's just frustrated as all get it. He said, this is the worst saw I've ever owned. You lied to me. I haven't even been able to even cut one piece of wood. So the salesman will let me see it. And he reaches down there and opens the choke and pulls the chain. <laughs> and then goes, ram, ram, ram. The guy goes, what's that noise? <laughs> Amen. So he had all this power in his hands. <laughs> but he, he wasn't even using it. So he's sitting there taking that chainsaw, going like this, and not being able to work it. So, But sometimes that's us. We have all this power in God ability. And we're just working up a sweat. And we're going again. We're using all of our strength. And never pulling on the power of God's grace that is available to us. There's so much. That's why this thing, there's more to grace than what we think. Amen? Look, look, look at Hebrews chapter 2. And we understand, here is the liberating part. When I grab a hold of the fact that God's grace in Christ purchased my salvation. And if I just find the ability to rest and the grace that worked through him for my redemption, and I rest in that redeeming grace, now I can allow God's grace to work through me for the benefit of others. And then when it comes to serving, when it comes to ministering, it all flows by that same grace. So Hebrews chapter 2 And verse 9 reads like this. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. Why? For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Now, in all the years that I've been pastoring, I I know people have taught on this. I haven't heard too many messages on grace in this area. But look at that. But he, by the grace of God, suffered death for us. And so through that, everything he needed 
to be born, to live, and to die for you and I, the ability to do that was by the power of God. He was graced by God to do that. And you've been graced by God. And the grace that worked through Him brought about your salvation. And now God, now that you are in Christ, the moment you come in Christ, God asks us now, will you allow my grace now, you've been a benefactor of my grace through my Son. Now can others become a benefactor of my grace working through you? And the Apostle Paul declared that so clearly that the ministry that was working through him was that he had received this grace given to him for the benefit of those that God had sent him to. So salvation in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9 says this, but you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, rich as he was, he made himself poor for your sake. So grace worked through him for our sake in order to make you rich by means of his poverty. So salvation in our life was accomplished through the work of grace in his life, but grace will work in and through our lives for the very purpose, for, for that very same purpose, that salvation will come to others through the work of his grace in our life. Now I go back, and there's a lot of things about my personality in the natural that God overcomes by grace. There's a lot of things when I'm just being me and dealing with people, I'm kind of sharp. I can like, well, you dodo, you should know better. But then when it gets right down to dealing people, there's this amazing grace that comes over me. And next thing you know, I just, can I help? And you just, you're helping and you're loving and you're caring. But then if you pull back in yourself, you're like, does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so, so God graces us. There's a grace that empowers us to love, to serve, to care, even beyond our natural personality. Amen. And so there's areas that, that, that I'm not naturally able to do it, but I'm graced to do it. And when you understand that and start drawing on that and living that, it's amazing what God gets to do through your life. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 says this, because of the privilege and authority God has given to me, or Paul said, literally says, through the grace that's been given to me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given you. Now watch this. In His grace, in His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. So Paul says right there, every one of us, each of us right here in this room, We've been given grace. And we're graced to do certain things well in the framework of the body of Christ. Not everything, just certain things. And so my goal is, God, I want to discover your grace upon my life because your grace defines what I'm empowered to do for your glory. Amen? I don't have to emulate or imitate or try to do what somebody else does. I just have to do what you've graced me to do. Are you with me? So what I put in here is you and I are gifted with grace to do certain things well, not everything well, just certain things well. And and our goal is, God, I want to find out what my certain things are. 
So there's certain things I'm graced to do. And so we find that. And, and really, when you read those giftings there in Romans chapter 12, in the body of Christ, we give those gift tests. And so you find out, and it identifies where your motivational gifts are. This is the part of your personality that you're motivated to do things, the things that drive you and, and kind of get you going. And, and so we find out, okay, well, that's where, where God has graced me. And, and, and I need to stay in that lane. Because I'm graced in that lane. If I get over here, I'm not graced to do that. So I'm going to get over here in my own strength and my own ability, and then I'm going to lose the rest for my soul. I'm going to lose my peace. I'm going to lose my rest, and that, and I'm going to be frustrated there. But when I'm staying in my lane, then I'm empowered by grace to be there, and I'm, and I'm productive there. All of us are productive in that place of grace that he has given us. So it's important to stay within the boundaries of his grace upon our life. The, the, the uh, Holman Christian Study Bible says it like this. For by the grace given to me, I tell every one of you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one according to to the grace given to us. So what I'm saying is that here we have this great saving grace. We're saved by grace. Hallelujah. But then now there is a grace given to Israel, given to Kathy, and given to Bill, and given to Becky, and given to Ray, and given to Jenny, given to, to, to Rick and Rich, and all of it. This great grace is given to us. And it's given to us because it's God's power that flows through us in ministry to others. Amen. For out, watch it. The Amplified says in John, John chapter 1, verse 16, for out of his fullness, abundance, we have all received. So out of his fullness, we've all received, all had a share, and we're all supplied with one grace after another. And grace for grace. So God gives us this great grace to work in our life. And spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing and even favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. Wow. Isn't that awesome? And so we're living in that. But, but there has to be something where I shake myself just a little bit because life, life just has this amazing press. Life just keeps coming at you. Amen? Life just keeps happening. And stuff. and stuff happens all the time. And if you lose your peace, if you lose this grace, then when little things happen, we blow up. Amen. And it can be a little thing. I'm so mad at myself. Yesterday I was pulling out of here and I had my little utility trailer on. And I thought, man, I need to check that door back here. So usually when I'm in the parking lot, I just back up and down and go around to check things. And so I just back up. I forgot I had the trailer on, so I pulled around. I just jacked up my trailer right in the back of my truck. I hit somebody. I said, who just ran into me? I just ran into myself. <laughs> Amen. It's like, oh, man, isn't that wonderful? But you know what? It's a truck. And it's metal. And it, just, it can be bent. And it can be unbent. Amen. Uh, you could get all flustered. You could worry all about it. But it doesn't make any difference. Amen. Nothing's worth, nothing in life is worth losing your peace over. Right. Are you with me? Don't lose your peace over. Just be excited about it. Hey, no matter what. Amen. So, and, and maybe some of you grew up, my, my poor wife grew up with, with, with you know, just overreaction. And she was thankful when things happened that I didn't overreact. Time she backed down the side of my new truck and tore out the whole side of it and everything. I said, well, hey, glory to God. You did not. 
got her shirts. She's backing up, and Cody's going, Mom, what's that noise? What's that noise? Mom, oh, that's Dad's truck going down the side of the van. Hallelujah. But it's all good. We had insurance. Amen. Hallelujah. The best part was that John Muncie came. It, it was the first time. Uh, no, it wasn't the first time. He'd been with before. But he came out, and him and Carolyn and the kids, and so we were going to let them borrow our van for the weekend. And so uh, he took it, and he spent the first night, and, and they were down at the Best Western there in, in Cameron Park, and he calls me in the morning. He goes, oh, Pastor, man. He said, I'm sorry. I, I Somebody hit your van and, and left and didn't tell me. I said, really? I said, did you report it to the manager? Did you tell them? I said, what, what kind of car? Did you paint into cars around? And I just had him, man. I said, yeah, you do all that stuff. So he's all nervous and everything. So, so then he comes to the church and he gets out there. And I go, really, did you tell them? Yeah, I told them, but they don't remember. Nobody knows. There's like a, no surveillance or anything. So nobody knows what happens. And somebody just hit it. I feel so sorry. I said, man, I'll let you use my car. Like you let somebody run into it. So he pulls up out here and we go to the back of the van. We bend over and we're looking. I go, wow. That looks like the place where my wife backed down the side of my <laughs> So, yeah. So, so, see, when you hold your peace, you can turn a wreck into a time of fun. Hallelujah. John has never forgiven me for that. It's been awesome. Amen. It was awesome. It was awesome. Amen. Well, to me, I went back up here because the Lord said he'd give me ease and refreshment and recreation. That was just recreation for me. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, yeah. anyway, so look, look at this. The next verse, look at the next verse down at the bottom of your page at, inside. Now, from those recognized, listen to what Paul says. Look, 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 look at how Paul was so secure in the grace of God upon his life. Now, from those recognized as important, have you ever been intimidated in the presence of anybody? You get around people that are great. Great people doing really big things. Oh, man. Oh. What did Paul say? Now, from those recognized as important. Now, th this isn't diminishing. Just, just keep it in context. He says, what they really were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. Everybody look up here. People, if they're doing what God's called them to do, they're graced to do that. They don't have better ability to you. God just graced them to do that. But at the same time, He's given you the same grace. The same grace they have, you have. And what you're graced to do is as important as what they are graced. There's no difference of importance of grace with God. And what he gives to, or the everybody gets the same measure of faith and the same calling. So the grace upon my life is just as important. Your grace is just as important. There's not a distinction in there. Yeah. And so Paul said, it doesn't matter what they were. God is not a respecter of people. God doesn't show favoritism. Amen? Right. That's why when I get around other pastors, I'm in my lane. In fact, when I teach them, I say, you know, there's a difference between a five, a two, a three, and a one, or whatever, the, the different talents. Because people in different places, guys that are graced to do the other thing, they wouldn't go to this place. 
Because there's not enough here for them to do. There's not enough people. There's not enough potential. There's not enough possibility. There's different people who won't go to them. There, there, has to be, there, there has to be, everything has to be right for it to be big. Amen. And so, but, that, but they're graced to, to have that viewpoint. That's the grace that's upon them. But that doesn't mean that your grace is less. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, I'm around everybody. That, it's all the people that were supposed to be important, I guess, he said. Recognized as important. What they really were makes no difference to me. Because God does not show favor. Look what he said. He said, they added nothing to me. They added nothing to me, to the grace that, that I've, so God, Paul said, there, there's a grace that is on me, and that I meet these important, but, but they, did, they didn't advance or promote or increase the grace that is already on me, that I'm aware of, the work that God is doing in my life. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter was for the circumcised, since the, watch it, since the one at work in Peter for an apostleship to the circumcision was also at work in me for the Gentiles. So Peter, the great head of the church there at Jerusalem, and Paul said, I'm just over here sent to the Gentile, but the same one at work in him is the same one at work in me. Are you with me tonight? And so this, glory to God, God is at work in your life. The great, find anybody great, find anybody, the biggest guy on TV today that's doing the biggest thing, that's winning two bazillion souls a week, whatever. It doesn't matter. That's their grace. And there's a grace working on your life as well. Amen? And it's not a comparison thing. It's a grace thing. Hallelujah. For he says, and then look at what the, when James and Peter and John recognized as pillars, acknowledged the grace. Wow. Acknowledged the grace that had been given to me. This is what I want you to do. I want you, don't wait for somebody else. You start to acknowledge the grace that's been given to you. God has given you a measure of this amazing grace, this power of Him flowing through you to reach others. So he says, this grace upon me, and look at Paul says, to reach a Gentile, they gave me the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They asked only that we should remember the poor, which I made every effort to do. So Paul writing to the church, he says, man, here, I meet all these people that said what they were. It doesn't matter to me what they were because unless, listen to what Paul's saying, unless you can add to the grace. Are you getting that? Unless you can add to the grace. And, and that's what happens when, when we're given. And so my job as your pastor is to try to add to the grace or to get you to walk in and, and operate in the fullness of the grace of God that is upon you. When you get around other people, they're, they're just, because we're human beings, we like to talk about our grace. We like to brag about our grace or do whatever. Instead of, well, our heart should always be, how can I get you to enter into the fullness of the grace that is upon your life? Are you with me? Yeah. All right. Yes. So there's a grace from God that is entrusted to each one of us, equipping us for the work of the ministry. Paul knew he was only accountable for the grace God had entrusted to him, and no man could add or detract from it. Amen. Amen. 
We had a pastor years ago that told me when we were down here, a good, he's, he's a good friend of mine and he means well, but he said because he has a big church, he think we should have closed everything down and made everybody drive down the hill to be a part of the big church. Amen. I said, well, that's, that's a nice thought, but that's not what we're called to do. I think we're just called to do what we're doing here. And if we'd done that, we'd have never had a Lord's Jam. We'd have never had that. And we probably would have never heard the testimonies we heard Sunday morning. Amen? I think I'll just stay in my lane of grace. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. So watch this. But he's got a grace to pull people and draw on people. It works good for him. Amen. So, but God's grace, but look at, Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 15, listen to this. By God's grace, I am what I am. What a powerful statement. Amen? And look at what he says here. And his grace towards me was not ineffective. In other words, Paul said, I made sure that I just didn't get it and go, okay, I got grace, and that's it. But he says, I worked more diligently. Watch this. I worked more than any of them, yet not I, but God's grace that was in me. So Paul said, man, I figured it out, and I just plugged into it, and I drew on it for all it was worth. Amen? I ran that saw at full speed. <laughs> and fired that baby up. Amen. Cut all the wood I could. Listen to what he explains, how he explains it in Ephesians. And I want you to get this. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. So look at He's declaring it to the church at Corinth. He's declaring it to the church at Galatia. He's declared in the book of Acts. Now he's declaring to the church at Ephesus. So every church, every place he's gone, he's letting them know that God has this grace for our lives. He declared it to the epistle to the Romans that we all received this grace that God gives to us. And so he says when it comes to his life, what he was doing, his, his defense and definition of his ministry was the grace of God working in his life. By the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power, this grace was given to me, the least of all saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of the Messiah and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for the ages, for ages in God who created all things. This is so God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in heaven. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in the Messiah, Jesus our Lord. In him we have boldness and confident access through him. So then I ask you not to be discouraged over my, now watch this, over my afflictions on your behalf. So look at, Paul makes kind of the same statement that the writer to the Hebrews declared about Jesus. Or even that he said, where he said, and Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8 where we already, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that for your sakes he became poor. He was rich, but he became poor. Paul's saying, the grace of God is upon me that for your sake, what I'm suffering, what I am enduring, that by the grace of God, Hebrews 2, we read it, he tasted death that we might receive life. So Paul's saying the same grace, now what, the same grace that was at work in the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul is declaring that same grace is now upon me, and it is working through me, and what I am, don't be discouraged by my suffering, because I am graced to endure this, that you might receive 
and know and be taught the incalculable riches that are yours in Christ. And so in order for you to hear it, in order for you to receive it, somebody has to step into this grace and walk in the grace that empowers them to endure through the sufferings, through the trials, through the storm, and keep moving forward. We read it last week, Paul, where, where he's, he's stoned and left for dead. You go and read 2 Corinthians. He's yeah. beaten all those times. He, he's in, and the best, the, the best, the, the, most, the most clearest account is in Acts chapter 16 when him and Silas are, are in prison and they're beaten and they're down there. And at midnight, after being beaten and thrown in the deepest, dingiest, just rottenest part of the dungeon, they begin to worship God. The grace of God. They, they, they just know God's grace is available. And they just press into that power of God's grace. They don't lose rest over their soul. They're still at peace. Their mind, their will and emotions are under control. Are you with me? And so in that moment, by the power of grace, they begin to worship God. And what happens? God shows up in delivering power. The chains fall off. The doors open up. And then what happens? The jailer comes, and he's frightened for his life. He's ready to kill himself. And Paul says, oh, no, don't kill yourself. Come here, because this grace is for you to get this message to you. And that jailer began, a church was planted at his house there in Ephesus. And it began the spread of the gospel, the first church planted through that region, the first house church planted right there. Wow, what amazing, amazing stuff. And then you see, and see, never forget, see, we, God doesn't, God's economics doesn't work like ours. Tim Delina shared this with the, the pastors and youth leaders at, at the luncheon at youth camp. And uh, he always just has a great nugget. But he shared this. Uh, D.L. Moody as a young, young man going to church. And there, there was a gentleman there at the church that was uh, the, the youth director and children's worker and stuff. And he, God just really put a burden on his heart for D.L. Moody. And Moody, as a teenager, had a job as a shoe salesman at a, at a local shoe store. And uh, so this youth worker went down there to witness to D.L. Moody there at the shoe store. And he's walking around, he's just pacing and kind of going around and kind of watching everything happening there and stuff. And uh, then he's kind of acting like he's kind of helping people. He's just trying to get up the nerve to talk to him. But he literally goes there and ends up actually leading him to the Lord there at the store. And, D. L. Moody, and as a result of that, that's the beginning of D.L. Moody's conversion and his life through a Sunday school teacher, a youth worker, a volunteer. Not a professional, but a volunteer. And then John Wilbur Chapman gets saved through D.L. Moody's ministry. And he uh, starts a Presbyterian church, an evangelist, a great evangelist through the, the late 1800s and the early 1900s, this great evangelist. And then under his ministry, an ex-professional baseball player named Billy Sunday gets saved and becomes an assistant under Chapman and becomes one of the greatest revivalists during that early Second Awakening in our nation through Billy Sunday's ministry. And then through Billy Sunday's ministry, another man comes in and gets saved whose name is Billy Graham. Yep. All because one Sunday school teacher 
found courage in the grace of God that was upon him. He never became the great evangelist. He wasn't the one who did the great thing. But through the grace that was upon him, the grace that was on him reached D.L. Moody, who reached hundreds of thousands, who reached Chapman, who reached thousands more, who reached Billy Sunday, who reached thousands more, who reached Billy Graham, who did crusades all around the world. Because one man, as just a faithful volunteer at his local church, never paid, never professional, but through the grace of God, went after one young man and led that one man to the Lord. Multitudes have been saved. Multitudes upon multitudes upon multitudes. So you go back to where Paul said, hey, all these people who were important. And what that means is, see, we get too Americanized in our thinking and we lose kingdom perspective. So never think that where God has you, whatever you're doing at that moment, isn't significant. You never know who the next D.L. Moody is, who the next Chapman is, who the next Billy Sunday is. You never know who it's going to be, who they're going to reach, what they're going to do. You just never know. And so if I can understand that, thank God I'm saved by grace, but I'm also empowered by grace. And through God's grace, His grace will work through it. And I'm, it might, there, there might be some suffering connected to it. There, there might be some trials connected to it. But there's grace... To get through it all and come out victorious. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I'd rather rest in that grace that when it's going on, you can just rejoice. Have a good time. Never lose your peace. Always be able to recreate. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So watch it. Look at what he said. So he said, don't be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are your glory. Wow. Wow. So I put as we close this right here. We too can learn to yield to the yoke and burden of His grace upon our life. We can learn how to do that. But it's something we have to press into, guys. This grace is upon us. It's given to us. But you have to embrace it and walk in it. You have to make a demand on it. You have to choose to live in it. Paul said, hey, look what he said. He said, by God's grace I am what I am. And His grace towards me was not ineffective. And Paul said, I, per- I understand there's a grace and there's a commissioning on my life, but I'm going to make sure that it continues to be an effective working in my life. We can learn to trust Him and yield to the yoke of His grace for the benefit of others. And I put this in here. I'm not trying to be sacrilegious or anything, but somebody should say about your life, for you know the grace of, and you can put your name in there, that for your sakes, they gave their all. That when we get to that end, we stand before the Lord and say, God, I allowed your grace to work through my life for their benefit. And people go, because of the grace, on that day, when we stand before the Lord, on that final day, and say, Israel, because you allowed God's grace to work through your life, I'm here. I know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that was on Israel. And for my sake, he gave us all. And I'm here because God's grace worked through his life. 
you understand that? That people are going to go to heaven because God's grace worked through your life. Because you put up with some trial, you put up with some hardship, you put up with some challenges because you knew you were graced and empowered to make it through. And that grace would work in your life and others would be there. And there's going to be a day. There's going to be a day. And sometimes you don't even know that you do it. Amen. Other times, before Brother Hood passed away, he'd have us come and speak at New Life, and people come up and say, oh, you've been such an encouragement to my life. I said, I don't even know you. <laughs> I said, how can I encourage you when I don't even know you? But you got saved here, and you went out, and you've answered God's call, and then you come back and you preach. You tell us what God's doing, and, and they go, you've just been an inspiration in my life. And so there, there's people that you're touching that you don't even know. And you're going to get there, and then they come up and they tell you, and you, didn't even, you don't even know you're doing it because grace empowers you, and grace flows out of you, and it reaches people. Serving grace is accompanied by a serving grace. Saving grace is accompanied, excuse me, by a serving grace. Grace empowers us to serve and still have rest in our soul. Everybody look up here. If you serve in church and you get burned out, you're not doing it by grace. If you're serving and walking with God, then you're out of grace. It's just you, you're doing it. You're doing it. And let me just tell you, your grumbling is your harvest. That's it. Because it hasn't been done in grace. It's been done in self-strength. And so, but grace is able to sow and keep storing. Give and keep giving and empower because you know that God needs a channel. God needs a vessel. When I preached a couple weeks ago on an intercessor, God searches for somebody to stand in the gap, to fill up the head. He needs that intercessor, that mediator, that one goes between, that goes on behalf of another, that stands up for the benefit and defense of another. He needs us to do that. And so when you know that, God, I, I know you need it, and it's not always accepted. And you look at Paul, you go and you're not accepted. People don't appreciate it, but you just keep going because you're graced to go. And you keep loving and you keep giving. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So ministry is what we're empowered by grace to do. It's your yoke and burden, and it is easy to pair because we're graced to do it. I just keep looking back. I've had people say, how do you do what you do? Talk to other people. How do you do what you do? How do you keep going? How do you stay? Because you're graced to do it. You're in your, once you get in that, in your lane of grace, find your lane of grace, guys, and just stay in there. And then it's just what I do. As, as long as I'm here, as long as I'm here, as long as I'm alive, as long as I'm on this earth, God wants his grace to work through me to reach somebody. That's why Psalms 92 promises that even in old age we bear fruit. That, that, that we're still productive. We're still pointing out that as you get older, you, you, you don't. The world says you retire and you go off and rest and don't do anything. The world tells you go become non-productive and wait to die. God says, no, you bear fruit in old age. You be, I'll renew your youth like an eel. I'll give you strength and, so that you keep going. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, tonight. Come on, let's just stand together for a moment. Let's take a moment.